Thank you for listening to this message from The Resting Place Tampa. We exist for the lost to be found, the found to be free, and peace to reign in our city. For more great resources like this, check out TheRestingPlaceTampa.com. jump right into the message today. Uh, If you don't know me, I see a few new faces. You need to know that I don't just say stuff and I don't say cute things. I say what I believe the Lord is saying. I sit with the Lord until I hear a word for you for right now in this moment. I don't always hear it right, but when I do, it has fruit. It has effectiveness. And I sat with the Lord and asked him, what are we to say right now? And he said, you need to reveal, you need to help the church understand the value of their seasons. Release revelation about valuing seasons. So we're in this series called Valuable Seasons. Say valuable. valuable. Say valuable. Yes, we're in valuable seasons. And last week we kicked it off. I want to do a quick recap, okay? In case you weren't there. This is all on our podcast, YouTube, all this stuff. All right, we talked about how the purpose of this series is to Receive value from every season. We want you to receive value from every season. In fact, God wants you to receive value from every season. Amen? Come on. Every season of your life, will you will receive value every season of your life if you call every season valuable. Okay? You need to write on the doorpost of your season the word valuable. This is a valuable season. So it starts with this, calling every season valuable. That's how you receive value from every season. All right? Second thing we talked about was we actually have to be value-led in every season. We actually have to let values lead us. And that's because we're in the new covenant. I don't know if you know this, but we're not in the old covenant anymore. All right? Uh, praise God is right. I think some churches are a little confused. Got a mixed bag, you know? And I'm like, wait a minute. How do you pick and choose? Like, worship back then was killing goats and stuff. Like, it was a meat locker. We're done with that. Well, we still other things keep happening. I don't understand. It's out with the old one and with the new. Come on. So because we're in the new covenant, we have to understand a couple new dynamics, all right? The old covenant was external and included visitations from God. Say external, external. visitational. The new covenant is internal, and it's a habitation of God. Say internal, internal. habitational. That means you become the house of God when you say yes to Jesus. And he's not visiting you. You're not the concubine of Christ. You're the bride of Christ. Some people go to church hoping for an encounter with the Lord on the weekend that the Lord would visit them at the resting place. Grossly inappropriate in the new covenant. Why? Because he's not a visitor. Everybody's like, don't miss your day of visitation. Jesus is like, what are you talking about? I live here. I live here. Oh, I don't want to miss my day of visitation. He's like, who's visiting? I live here. He loves it in there. He's a homebody. He said, I'm never leaving this place. I'm never forsaking this house. I got my feet up. He does everything in the resting place. I don't know if he's, you know this, but he's seated. He's seated in you, enthroned on our hearts. Amen. Come on. So the new covenant is internal, habitational, value-led. The old is law-led. The new is value-led. The old had to have a bunch of rules for everything. Because God only came for a little bit and left. Are you hearing this? Came and left. The new covenant doesn't need a rule for everything. It's based on a value system because God came and stayed. Are you with me? And we're led by the Holy Spirit. So for us to be value led as a house, as a church, we need to understand our core values. These are not the only values of the house, but our core values are that we honor everyone. We empower everyone and we have faith everyone. I didn't get that on a bumper sticker or a church planting 
counseling or, or like conference. I didn't get that from there. I got that from the J cloud. Download right from the J cloud. It's the no longer I cloud. All right. It comes straight down from God to us. He said, Caleb, these will be your core values. You will honor, empower, have faith for everyone as a church. That's who we are. It's not what we're trying to do. It's who we are. It's inside of us. It's who I am. It's who my wife is. And it flows from there. So I'm not trying to live up to this. I'm just living it out because it's in there. Are you with me? My leaders, that is the low bar for leadership at the resting place. You dishonor someone, you're in, you're in threat of no longer leading. You disempower people, you're in threat of no longer leading. You re refuse to have faith for someone, you're in threat of no longer leading. This is the low bar for leadership. Why? Because our core values are like the secret sauce of the resting place, just so you know. Okay? This is who we are. It's who we are in our core. Okay? So today, we're going we're gonna to take all three of those through the next... Uh, few weeks. So today we're talking about how we honor everyone in every season. Then we'll talk about empowering and faith in the next couple weeks. Okay. To be value led. It's kind of a double, double whammy here. Cause I'm reviewing our core values for all of our new friends and family. Right. But I'm also uh, releasing some new revelation in that we need to understand how to honor everyone in every season. Say everyone, every season. So in order to do that, we have to understand what honor is and what it is not. Okay, because everybody uses that word. Oh, I honor them. I honor that. I honor you, right? It's, uh, it's like throwing around all the time, especially in church. It's like the wave now. It's like the new trend to use that word. But a lot of times it's just talk because it doesn't actually have fruit. It just says, oh, I honor you, bro. But then you talk about them behind their back and you, you don't you actually think your time with them is valuable. You know, you're just kind of saying it so that because you have to because <laughs> that's the thing to do. Yeah, we're going to define the value right now. It's straight out of 1 Peter 2, verse 16 through 17. This is what the word of God says. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover up for evil, but living as servants of God. It's going to tell you how to do that. Here's the game plan to live as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Okay. I don't read a single suggestion in that verse. <laughs> Not a single one. Those are the commands of God. And this word honor is the Greek word timios. It means to prize. Like you prize something. Like something is valuable to you. To fix a valuation upon. Okay? To value, to honor, to revere. So this is what this verse tells me. That honor is actually a matter of obedience. And when we dishonor anyone, we disobey the Lord. I mean anyone. I know, it's okay, you'll be all right. <laughs> when we dishonor anyone, we disobey the word of the Lord. Not my opinion. That's a revelation straight from the word of God. Let me give you our definition as a house. Honor everyone. The definition is to properly assign value to every kind of person. That's the definition. I want to put it on the screens because I want you to say it with me. All right? Say it with me. To properly assign value to every kind of person. We mean every single word of that sentence. Okay? You're like, but what about this person? Yes, assign value. What about that person? Yes, they're valuable. In fact, Jesus thinks that anyone you would mention is to die for. Huh. Jesus thinks the whole world is to die for. Jesus thinks your worst enemy is to die for. Jesus thinks that political candidate is to die for. Oh, I'm going to push the buttons, y'all. I'm going to do it. It's right out of the Bible. I'm just preaching the word. Listen to the same passage 
Verse 17 in the Passion Translation, I love this. It says, recognize the value of every person and continually show love to every believer. Live your lives with great reverence and in holy awe of God. Honor your rulers. You need to understand something. Peter said this under the reign of Nero. Okay, Nero was a bad dude. And I'm not talking like Michael Jackson bad, all right? I'm talking homie was wicked. Okay, I, I could hit the moonwalk right now, but I distract you with all that awesomeness, all right? <laughs> You're just imagining it. It's okay. No. Get on a serve team. Come to our serve team annual party. You'll see me hit the moonwalk. That's where I do it. They were there. They saw. Anyway, so this guy has, is way worse than anyone you want to name. And I'm going to use names because I don't usually, but in this context, it works, right? If you're like, how could I honor someone named Trump? How could I honor someone named Biden, Clinton, Pelosi, Schumer? I just keep on ping-ponging the aisle here and take you off real good. How can I do that? Well, I'm going to give you a how at the very end of this. But let me just say at the front, ain't none of those names got nothing on Nero. If you can't do that for them, you would have not lasted a second in Peter's day. Not a second. This guy was burning Christians in his garden to light the walkway at night. He was like, I want to take a walk tonight in my garden. Go get 10 Christians, put them on a post and burn them. Let me know when they're on fire so I can see the trees. Pete said, honor that dude. We better know what this thing is and what it isn't. It's to properly assign value. Let me help you with this. Here's, this is going to help. The truth is valuing people has nothing to do with their behavior. But everything to do with their worth in God. There's a prophetic lens to this. You have to see their worth in God in order to honor them properly. You can't just look at the natural stuff in order to honor them properly. Amen? Because we're more than natural beings. Yeah? We're more than that. So you have to see with the eyes of the Spirit to properly assign value to every kind of person. All right? And again, to devalue anyone is to disobey the Lord. Jesus showed us. He honored everyone. He honored prostitutes. Right? He honored Roman centurions. Those were the enforcers of the occupiers, you know. They're the guys who came and dragged your family out in the streets and burned your stuff. He honored thieves, tax collectors, the poor, the sick, lepers, those caught in adultery, fishermen. Let me translate that for you. Stinky people. Fishermen. We're the stinky guys. Thank God I'm not God because I would choose the most well-showered, best-breath dudes to hang out with me up close and personal for three and a half years. And Jesus is like, oh, yep, there's a disciple. <laughs> there he is. Where's Peter? I can smell him. I don't see him. These guys, you were only with these guys long enough to get your fish and get gone. All right. That was the only reason you hung out with a fisherman. They smell awful. Come on. They don't have all the tricks we had back then, you know, deodorant. Praise God for deodorants. I fly a lot. <laughs> Thank God for deodorant. Yeah. Anyway, Jesus honored these guys, the outcasts of society. Races that were seen as half-breeds, like the Samaritans. They were a mixed breed, half-Jew, half-anything else. Yeah. Even the authorities give to Caesar what is Caesar, right? Come on. Not only that, God himself honored every single one of us by becoming one of us. 
Imagine, imagine your favorite like childhood hero or some historical figure or whatever comes in this room today. Imagine, and they say, you know what? I want to I spend your Monday with you. I want to walk a day in your shoes. I want to know what your job is like. I want to know what it's like to be in your position, to be in your family. Would you feel honored? Yeah, for someone who you revere to tag along with you and be like, oh, wow, walk a day in your shoes. God did that for the human race. You know, God is sovereign. So I'm going to throw you in the deep end real quick here. God is sovereign. So it's absolutely possible that he could have an experiential knowledge without the experience itself. Are you okay? Did I break your brain just now? He could have had an experiential knowledge. Like I've gone through something and I know it because I've been through it, right? He could have had that knowledge because he's God without actually having the experience. But he chose instead in his sovereignty to have the experience. Is anything impossible for God? No. So you understand what I'm saying. He could have known what it's like without going through it. But instead, he chose to go through it. He was tempted in every way possible, every way that is common to man, right? Amen? So he knows your pain. He knows these things firsthand, right? That's honor. That says honor to me. Not only did he become one of us, he became a servant to all of us. Philippians 2, 5 through 11-ish, it says that he became a servant to all, not considering equality with God something to be grasped, but took on the likeness of a servant. He didn't just become one of you. He came to serve all of you. He said the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. That's why I'm the lowest piece of this church. I am the lead servant of this house. Nobody serves me around here. Nobody serves me around here. I even hate phrases like sit under my teaching. You don't sit under my teaching. It would crush you. I'm a foundation. I'm too heavy for you to sit under. I'm supposed to support you and hold you up. The church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ as the chief cornerstone. This is why people are getting crushed in the church because they're trying to people are people like me are trying to be coverings. Hashtag not in your Bible. It's not find it. Rebuke me publicly, please. It's not in there. That's why I can say that. <laughs> he didn't just become one of us. He became a servant to all of us, not only a servant, but a sacrifice. Come on. You know, heaven went bankrupt for your worst enemy. What's better in heaven than Jesus Christ, the righteous? Riddle me this. You know why the streets are paved with gold? Because that's how worthless gold is compared to the one who's worthy of it all. Gold becomes the pavement materials when he's the one taking a walk. Because that's how valuable he is. Are you with me? Heaven gave everything it had so that you could have heaven and so that heaven could have you. So to honor everyone, the definition is to properly assign value to every kind of person, just like Jesus died for the sins of the world, not the sins of the church, and therefore paid the redemption price, fixed the valuation upon. He's God, I heard this great thing. I don't have time for it, but I'm going to say it anyway. I heard an example of God being the judge and then some, someone bringing... Um, a murderer to court, like man A, uh, man B murdered man A's uh, friend. And he brings him to court before the judge. And the judge says, why are we here? And man A goes, he murdered my friend. And he needs to pay. And God goes, well, yeah, I see that in the record here. And he, then he goes, but wait a minute, man A, you also did ABC. You're, you're guilty. You have no right to bring a charge against him because 
you're next in line for punishment. And he goes, oh, no. And so the, the, the friend is standing there like, I don't know what to do. Oh, my gosh, I'm, in, I'm trapped. This is what happens when we make judgments, by the way. I'm trapped by this. It's true. I'm caught red-handed. I'm in the courthouse. And then the judge's son walks in and says, I'll pay for the murder and for everything that guy did. And the judge looks through the books like, you don't have anything on your ledger. There's nothing in the record books about you doing anything wrong. You can pay for that. And Jesus took the place. That is the gospel. He said, You're, all of you are worth dying for. That's why we say all the time, God's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. And you might think you're worthless, but you've been wrong before. My Jesus says you're to die for. What if you believed him? That's believing in Jesus right there. That's salvation right there. Are you with me? You see how honor is a sign of value. Yes. Do you see how Jesus honored all of us by paying for all of our sins? Yes. He said, you're that valuable to me. Right. Come on. So that's what honor is. Here's what honor is not. Honor is not blind. Honor is not blind. Jesus told the people of his day to value what the Pharisees taught and to value their authority. He did not tell them to be ignorant of their hypocrisy. Quite the opposite. He said in Matthew 23, 1 through 3, Jesus, it says Jesus addressed both the crowds and his disciples. The crowds being the Pharisees were in the crowd, just so you know. You need to get this, okay, because this is how Jesus honored them, all right? It's great. He addressed both the crowds and his disciples and said the religious scholars and the Pharisees, those guys right there, sit on Moses' throne as the authorized interpreters of the law. Now, if he just stopped there, they'd be feeling pretty good about themselves. Like, oh, yeah, the new revival guy just said we were the bomb. Said we sit on Moses' throne. I don't know if you know, but Mo was a big deal back then. Still is, but, you know, big deal. Yeah, I know. You're offended by the Mo thing. That's okay. <laughs> he says, so listen and follow what they teach, but don't do what they do, for they tell you one thing and do another. <laughs> you know, the whole do what I say, not what I do, that's the language of a Pharisee. You should probably stop saying that. <laughs> the way your eyebrows just reacted means I got you. Just now I saw those eyebrows. <laughs> anyway, not you. Those professional Christians over there. Those other believers over there. None of us are guilty of any of this. Yeah, come on. <laughs> Honoring everyone does not mean we ignore their failures and act as if they can do no wrong. Some people think we should honor our leaders by forgetting their faults. That's a lie. In fact, insecure church leaders for years now have been using that honor word in order to make people turn a blind eye to where they failed. Oh, I just want to honor the man of God. I just want to honor the da 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 da. So I'm going to ignore all that terrible stuff they're doing. We want to honor the call of God on their life. So we're just going to brush under the rug, the rug that they're molesting people. Come on, we can't touch God's anointing. Bull crap, man. None of that is anointed. They're called and they're valuable, but what they're doing is garbage. And you need to be able to see both clearly. You shouldn't sacrifice one for the other. Especially when there are victims on the other side. So honor is not blind. It sees beyond the imperfections and focuses on the value within the vessel. 
It looks beyond the imperfections of the vessel and sees the value within the vessel. In fact, if you're hoping to honor me because of how well I preach, that will break down eventually, no matter how good I am at it. No, that wasn't the point. I think you might have missed my point. No, that was a joke, not a point. Gosh, anyway. The point is not how well I am. It's the I am in me. It's not how well I act. It's the act of his valuation upon me. So honor is not even agreement. We say this all the time. Honor is not agreement. We don't need to agree on everything to honor one, one another. In fact, disagreement is the atmosphere where honor is most useful. When we disagree, it's time to value each other beyond that disagreement. That's where you honor. That's where it's most useful. If honor were agreement, Jesus would have never washed Judas's feet. He wasn't saying, I'm glad you're going to betray me. He wasn't saying, you're going to do a good thing and I honor that. No, we need to detach the reason for our honor for others from their actions. Because it has nothing to do with their behavior. It has everything to do with their worth in God. And my God thinks they're to die for. That's how you honor everyone. Honor is not blind. It is not agreement. To honor every person means to probably assign value to every person. So here's a practical step. Everybody like practical stuff? Yeah? Practical stuff, all right? When aggravated with someone, ask yourself, how can I assign value to this person? Let me help you. This will help you in your marriages. <laughs> this will help you in all your relationships. Help you with those people at work. Help you with your boss. Before responding, when aggravated, wait to see their value. In fact, when it says be slow to speak, quick to listen, this is what it's talking about. Be slow to speak in anger and quick to listen to God. Find their value and speak to them from that place. You know what? I really value you. And so I'm going to tell you that hurt me because I care about this relationship. That's way different than you need to stop being a jerk. <laughs> Hello? A little different. One is rooted in honor. The other is not. So carrying honor in every season is simply about obeying the Lord in every moment. He commanded you to honor everyone. There's no wiggle room in that sentence. That's the whole sentence. <laughs> It doesn't say honor everyone you like, honor everyone who's like you, or everyone who likes you. No, it just says honor everyone. Amen? Come on, you're like, this is too difficult. Nero. 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 Okay. In fact, this house has a conviction that we honor everyone who carries the image of God, which is to say we honor everyone. Why? Because Genesis 1.27 says God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So listen to me. If we do not honor the voice of women, we are dishonoring the voice of God. <laughs> yeah, Facebook, I'm talking to you. <laughs> I deleted Messenger, so send all the hate mail you want. Go ahead. I ain't reading it anymore. My life is a lot more free. Now that I don't read my hate mail, <laughs> this is what gets me in trouble the most. I say, God is not a man. God is not a woman because God is not a human. God is spirit. I think that's an airtight argument. And I get called a heretic for that. 
I'm not, I'm not exaggerating anything right now. This is the state of the church. We are very confused. In fact, if you close your eyes, imagine God and think that he has male genitalia, you are seeing God inappropriately. I'll wait. If in your mind, Father God is a male by anatomy, you are not seeing God. You're seeing a God that you made in your image. That's called an idol. We need men to lead churches because he's called Father God. Father is not gender specific. It's a spiritual term for source. He's the beginning of all. He's the source of all. He's the father of all. That's what that word means. And the image of God is both male and female. It's not male or female. It's male and female. We don't have women on stage. We do not see half the image of God. I just like saying this stuff. <laughs> when we say honor everyone, we mean everyone. I talked about it a couple weeks ago, but 2 Timothy 2.2, if you're upset with me about this, and what about Paul? Paul's final word on who should teach in church is 2 Timothy 2.2. He said, what you've heard me teach, entrust the faithful men and women. It might say men in your translation, but it's the word anthropos, as in humankind, as in people. It should say men and women, who will be able to teach also. 2 Timothy 2.2, that's his final word on the subject. So put that in your theological pipe and smoke it. I'm going to move on. All right. <clears throat> uh, on live stream too. on live. Stream. Yep. All right. <laughs> Moving on. Every person on earth, no matter what season of life they're in or the season of life we are in, everyone on earth carries the image of God. Do you say amen? So honor is not blind. It sees the image of the creator in all. It sees the image of the creator in your enemy. It sees the image of the creator in women teachers. It sees the image of the creator in your abuser. It sees the image of the creator in your terrible bosses. It sees the image of the creator in those named Biden, Clinton, Trump, Pelosi, Schumer. I don't care. Fill in the blank. It sees the image of your creator. If you can't start there, you have no right you have no right to speak on behalf of the Lord when you don't even have the eyes of the Lord. I'm not mad at you. I'm just mad. <laughs> oh, you're like, this guy's crazy. I'm never coming back. This is important. We have people saying, thus saith the Lord. And the Lord's like, I rebuke you. That's what he's saying from heaven. Because it's rooted in hatred, not honor. And we're commanded to honor everyone. So how do we do that? Now that we've all gotten really happy. Uh, how do we do that? I'm going to give you the key. The Lord gave me the key to honor. It's called compassion. Compassion is the key that opens the door of honor. Compassion is the key that opens the door of honor. Having compassion for people will allow you to properly value others above their behavior, their poor decisions, their lifestyle, fill in the blank. You know, hurt people hurt people. Did you know everyone's in pain? Everyone's in pain. There's two kinds of people on the planet, those who are healing and those who are not. 
everyone has pain. Just exiting the birth canal was painful, y'all. You know? Living on this planet is painful. We see in part. We know in part, as in a glass, dimly, what we will know in full. You're like, I don't have any pain. You're the first person I would say is in pain. If your response to that statement is, no, I don't have any pain. Yeah, you're the first person. You actually have so much pain, you can't look at it. Yep. Everyone has pain. And this is an understanding that allows for compassion to pave the way for healing. This is what compassion does. It opens the door for you to honor someone, value them properly so they can be healed of God. Amen. Come on. We're going to look at the story of the Good Samaritan, and you're going to hear it in a new light, hopefully, in Jesus' name. So Jesus was asked about who we should call our neighbor. He was asked, who's the, okay, who's my neighbor? Love my neighbor as myself. Who's my neighbor? You know, who do I give that title to, that value upon, right? That's a title of value, you know? They said, who's my neighbor? And he told them this parable, okay? Luke 10, 30 through 35. It says, Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Just so you know, this means that the guy was in his way, and he went out of his way to not have the guy in his way, okay? Literally in his way, and he said, oh, went around. That's what that means, Okay? A, chain, a priest is going down the road, passed him on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, say Samaritan. Samaritan. Now, we think about these as the good guys. You need to understand, these were the hated bad guys. Okay, the whole crowd Jesus was talking to had hatred in their heart towards Samaritans. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, culturally, they were hated, legally hated, because they were half Jews. They were half breeds. I mentioned it earlier, Right? So I can only imagine the people listening to this story being like, oh, a priest. He walked on the other side. Ooh, bad job, priest. You know, bad job, priesty. And then the Levite. Oh, that guy's important, too. He's of the tribe of Aaron, a Levite. Oh, he passed by on the other side. Oh, man, this story is getting intense. And a Samaritan. And I know what they're expecting. And let's fill in the blank for Jesus from their mindset. And a Samaritan walked up and kicked the guy in the head and spit on him and walked over him. Because they're like, this has got to get worse. This has got to get progressively worse from the highest honor to the lowest honor. No, no, no. You need to understand that Jesus was purposefully using the man they hated, the vessel they hated, to release the truth of God to them. Because <laughs> God often uses a vessel you hate or don't understand. Uses a vessel that offends you. Maybe he looks like this. <laughs> Maybe he says wild things and hits his podium and... Praise for his hand to be healed because it really hurt. <laughs> it's hurting now. You know, you do things in the anointing and then you get out of it and you're like, ouch, ow. Anyway, the Samaritans say boo, hiss. Do it. Come on. We're stepping into their context. A lot of us take our context and put it on the Bible. No, no. They were like, ooh, that dirty, rotten Samaritan. To really understand this story, you got to approach with that mindset, okay? He's, Jesus says a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. And the crowd went, say, what? What you talking about, Willis? No, wait. <laughs> I like that show. <laughs> when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. 
And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper saying, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, I will repay when you come back, when I come back. How did this compassion in his heart open the door for honor? How do we see that in this story? Well, I'm going to break it down for you. He properly valued the man by caring for his wounds. That's giving the man his time, valuable, and his touch, valuable, right? Is that assigning value or what? Your time and your touch, right? He pours out oil and wine. That's his treasure. It's expensive stuff, especially in that day, right? I know everybody's got essential oils now, like 10 of them in your back pocket, whatever. But back in the day, oil was hard to find, all right? <laughs> oil and wine, treasure. Then he placed him on his own animal and he walked. He put the guy in an elevated position. He put the dude higher than himself. In the natural, he honored him. Come on. He then took him to a safe place, paid his way to stay. There's value right there, assigning value. And he wrote a blank check saying whatever else it costs. I got it. I'll just be back. He says, I'll pay it when I get back. Just keep the tab open. Wow. So the Samaritan properly valued the man or the others did not. Why? Because compassion is the key that opens the door of honor. The priest was lacking compassion. The Levite lacked compassion, but the hated one had compassion. Probably because he knows what it's like to be spit on. He knows what it's like to be beat up. He knows what it's like to be passed over on the other side. Like, don't look at him. Those who have been forgiven much love much. Come on. And you might be thinking, well, okay, yeah, I get it. But what about justice? What about justice? I grew up in a house of four boys, all right? And there were a few times where I just needed a few knocks in the head from my brothers because I was being a punk, all right? Just, just saying. There were a few times where I needed it. You know what I'm saying? You've seen those memes where it's like some of y'all never got pulled by your neck in the grocery store by your mama and it shows. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'm trying to move on quickly here because I'm not trying to tell you how to parent. I'm just telling you, when I grew up, we, my mom, here's what my mom would say. You might not like this, whatever. When we start to a rough house, she would say, take it outside and make it count. <laughs> She'd say, if you're going to fight, take it outside and make it count. Not this push and shove and eh, eh, eh. Now take it outside and go for it. So we did. And guess what? We stopped fighting because it hurt. <laughs> I hated having a black eye on Monday morning at school. I hated it, you know. So you might be thinking, okay, this guy might have needed a few licks. What if he was mouthing off to the dudes? What if he stole something himself? These robbers were just getting back what they owed. What about justice? Well, let's talk about true justice. Because I know we got justice people in this church. And the Lord wants to speak to you. Right now, this is for you, all right? Zechariah 7, 9 through 10 says, This is what the Lord Almighty said. Administer true justice. Show mercy and compassion to one another. True justice shows mercy and compassion. How? You do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the foreigner or the poor. Do not plot evil against each other. That word oppressed means to keep someone subservient through unjust means. So we know from this verse that if we have compassion, we will value the widow, not ignore them. We will value the fatherless, the orphan, the foster kid, not call them a problem. We will value the foreigner, the immigrants. We'll value them. Properly value them. 
Amen? I'm not making political statements. I'm releasing the principles of God to you. And you, with your convictions, take them to the bank, all right? We will value the foreigner. We'll value the poor who doesn't have anything to give you, all right? But compassion opens that door. Compassion is the thing that unlocks all of that and makes it actually easy to honor them. Wow. Your destiny in God is amazing. Yeah, you're acting a fool. But I see you. I see you in the spirit. I see you as a man of God after his own heart. I see you as a woman who teaches the word. I see you as someone who champions the cause of the orphan and the widow, the poor. I see it. And I'm going to treat you according to what I see in your future, not according to the failures of this moment. That's calling them up into their destiny in God. That's why it's our first core value. We have to start by honoring everyone. Everyone. Say everyone. So. To honor everyone in every season, we must move in compassion towards those who are like us, unlike us, and those who don't like us. This is the key right here. You move in compassion towards those who are like us, unlike us, and those who don't like us. You're like, I really like that guy. They're easy to hang out with. It's because they're just like you. I don't really like hanging out with them, not inviting them again. It's because they're unlike you. Oh, I'm not inviting them over. They don't like me. You've missed the point if those are your mentalities, right? Come on, we need compassion. So stand up. I'm gonna, we're going to activate this by faith right now. We're going to pray for ourselves, okay? So stand up, put your hand on your heart or your head or whatever. And I want you to pray right now and believe by faith that God is going to give you a supernatural upgrade of compassion right now. Yeah? Come on. So pray this with me. Lord Jesus, let your compassion bubble up and overflow in my life. Come on, pray for yourself. Let your compassion overflow from the inside out. God, I'm praying that your compassion would erupt within my heart. That you would download and upload an infusion of your compassion for others. God, give me eyes to see the way you see. Give me a heart to feel the way you feel. Let me step in someone's shoes and empathize. Let me be the one who has compassion on others so that I may be obedient in honoring well. Come on, pray for yourself. Nobody's praying for you right now except for you. I want compassion so that I can obey your word and honor everyone I see. In Jesus' name, we ask you by the Holy Spirit that your power would rise up in us right now and we leave here different. We say it by faith. If that's for you, say, I receive that for myself. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from The Resting Place Tampa. We exist for the lost to be found, the found to be free, and peace to reign in our city. For more great resources like this, check out TheRestingPlaceTampa.com.